Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, what's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 78 for Thursday, February 10th, 2011. The music you just heard was The Omen of Geneva, and the artist was Neko Frog One. You can get that and any of the other intro music at ocremix.org. The caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number is 347-324-3541. All right, some housekeeping first. I am battling some sinus issues, so if I lose my voice at any point uh, in the evening or I sound a little congested, it is because my sinuses have been killing me uh, for the past 24 hours. I will, though, press through it and give you guys as much of the show as I can with a clear voice. If I do lose it, you know what it's from. Uh, some housekeeping first, of course. The uh, My Take Radio page, I've been making some small little adjustments to it, you're going to start seeing some stuff gradually pop up with some ads and some stuff. Some people are actually going to be picking up some ad space. I've talked to a couple of different people that want to have their ads on the site. And, of course, there's tons of new content up for myself, Slick, Andrea. All of us have put up content the last couple of weeks. So definitely take a moment to check it out. And if you like any of the articles, take a second and share a comment. Let us know what you think about it, what you like, what you didn't like. Uh, same thing with the Facebook fan page. You can comment on the Facebook fan page as well and share your thoughts there. Uh, speaking of the Facebook fan page, Facebook unveiled their new pages layout today. So if the page looks a little screwy, that is because there has been a change to the Facebook pages layout. So definitely uh, we are already at 673 fans, I think. I'm hoping to hit 700 fans by the second week in March. Before you know it, we'll be at 1,000 fans. I'm, I'd like to really do something special uh, when we hit 1,000 fans. I have no idea what it's going to be, but keep an eye out for something special when we hit the 1,000 fan mark. Um, our content partners, as always, this week in wrestling's podcast and MMA Valor have also put up con- content on MyTakeRadio.com, so definitely take a moment and check it out and let those guys know if you'd like their work. Um, also, Take a second and check out their respective sites as well and share your thoughts there. Um, of course, MTR is on iTunes, and we have an app on iTunes as well. Uh, we recommend that if you are getting episodes from iTunes or via the app, take a second and review the app or review the show on iTunes just to help us move up the rankings and, of course, give us better placement and allow more people to hear MTR on a bigger scale. So definitely take a moment and do that. It takes you know less than a minute to do. So share your thoughts there, and hopefully we can get into that top 10 ranking for gaming and entertainment in the iTunes store. So definitely help us out if you can. Uh, merchandise is available at mtrtees.spreadshirt.com. we got some hoodies on there, uh, some men's and women's T-shirts. So you can check those out there. I priced them as, as good as I could for you guys, so definitely check it out. 
there will be new designs coming in the coming weeks, and the current designs that are on there will be cleaned up a little better just because there are some improvements that need to be made. But definitely, if you want to show your support, head over and pick yourself up a T-shirt and show your support that way. The Shorty Awards are still going on. If you are a Twitter user and you follow My Take Radio on Twitter, take a second, head over to shortyawards.com and nominate MTR in either gaming or entertainment. Um, I've seen some of the people that I'm up against in mostly in the gaming category, and I feel that we deliver a pretty solid fucking show every week. So I really would like to get in there and possibly get an award for the show. It would be nice. Um, we have no guests this week. I'm going guest-free. Uh, especially when my sinus is killing me. Next week, though, I will be joined by Ninferno from Dual Shockers. Uh, it's a, another gaming website, and we will be discussing an event that they will be holding this weekend, uh, that next weekend, sponsored by Madcats. It's going to be Video Gamers Day, and it's going to be here in New York City in Richmond Hill, and uh, the proceeds from that are going to uh, go towards uh, youth benefits uh, for helping inner-city youth. So definitely, if you're a New York resident and want to check that out, they're going to be holding uh, Call of Duty tournaments, Halo tournament, not Call of Duty tournaments, and uh, Marvel versus Capcom 3 tournaments. So definitely, it's five bucks for admission. So if you want to do your part and help out for a good cause, definitely tune in next week for all the details. Inferno will be joining us, probably with other members of the Dual Shocker staff, and we will be discussing that. Uh, we also got a couple of other things going on for the next few episodes. Uh, like I said, Ninferno's joining us uh, for the episode 79. Uh, Diana Prince, uh, she's an adult film actress and a gamer and also a fellow geek. She will be joining us for our 80th episode on the 24th. And uh, video blogger and MMA uh, comment, uh, put it like this, video blogger and MMA pundit Bloodstained Lane will be joining us Thursday, uh, March 3rd. So we got a pretty full plate for the next three weeks. Of course, these guests are subject to change, so keep an eye out on the fan page and on the site and, of course, on our Twitter account or our Tumblr accounts, and you'll be able to keep up to date with the upcoming guests. So those are going to be the guests for the next three weeks. Let's get into what we'll be talking about tonight. A uh, couple of things. Um, I want to talk about UFC uh, 126. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff happened there. I want to give a little bit of insight into the Strike Force Grand Prix. I want to talk about Monday Night Raw, uh, the death of the Guitar Hero and DJ Hero franchises, as well as the Tony Hawk franchise and the True Crime franchise announced by Activision this week. A lot of crazy stuff with that. Got to talk about some bullshit that Fox News put out, um, of course, making gamers look like complete assholes and in turn making themselves look like complete assholes as well. Uh, we got a ton of movie news to discuss, so... Let's get right into it, and you know what? We're going to talk some MMA first. If I can refresh my switchboard, it would really be nice because I really would like to play the segment for the MMA intro. Oh, how about that? It's fucking working. Here we go, folks. some MMA. Um, first off, let's talk about UFC 126. Uh, UFC 126, of course, would be main event was Anderson Silva defending his belt against Vitor Belfort for the middleweight championship. Uh, Co-main event on that was 
Forrest Griffin against Rich Franklin, and the third fight, uh, which you could also say was a co-main event, was John Bones Jones uh, locking up with Ryan Bader. Of course, a lot of hype going into this fight, especially because in Anderson Silva's case, if he defeated Vitor Belfort, it's almost a no-brainer that he will be facing George St. Pierre if St. Pierre can get past Jake Shields. So it's definitely very interesting to watch it unfold, especially this particular pay-per-view had a lot of decent fights. There were some people complaining about certain things and about uh, certain fights not being promoted the way they should. Nonetheless, the card was solid. Um, I'm going to go through uh, the Facebook prelim first, which was uh, the bantamweight bout with uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, who um, did uh, an interview not so long ago on MMA Gospel Radio. Uh, you can catch them Wednesdays at 8.30 on the Blog Talk Radio Network. He was meeting uh, Kid Yamamoto. I was very excited for this fight. I'm a big fan of Kid Yamamoto. Um, Demetrius Johnson is no slouch, and needless to say, he put a, a clinic on for three rounds, uh, defeating Kid Yamamoto via unanimous decision. Um, Yamamoto didn't look bad. A lot of people were concerned that he would get cut following the loss, like has happened to so many one-and-dones in the UFC, but um, it looks like this will not be the last time we see the kid. I think that there was definitely some octagon jitters. I know he said that he didn't feel nervous, but I don't know. I kind of thought that he was a little hesitant to engage as well as he should have. Uh, Demetrius Johnson looked great in his performance, and uh, definitely you can expect big things from this kid in the near future. He looked great against the kid. Um, the Spike TV prelims, the featherweight bout with Chad Mendes and Omigawa. I had Omigawa a lock for this fight. Uh, Chad Mendes, once again, he came in just like uh, Mighty Mouse did in the uh, Facebook prelims, and he also put on a clinic just taking out uh, the fight from Omigawa via unanimous decision. Um, again, I, a little bit of, uh, of apprehension I noticed out of Omigawa in terms of engaging. Chad Mendes looked really sharp. He was coming in there 9-0. Um, again, really great performance. By round three, Omigawa had a really nasty cut over his left eyebrow. Uh, Mendez was definitely uh, focusing all his attacks on the eyebrow, uh, possibly seeking a doctor stoppage. Nonetheless, he ended up taking it via unanimous decision. Um, the light heavyweight fight, very quick resolution for that. It was uh, Kyle Kingsbury meeting Ricardo Romero. Uh, Kingsbury, round one, TKO. Uh, really ridiculous. He ended up catching Romero with some knees to the body, at which point Romero crumbled, and that's all she wrote, folks. Kyle Kingsbury took it round one TKO. Um, in the lightweight category, you had Paul Kelly and Donald Cerrone. Um, I was really expecting a great performance from Cerrone, and he delivered. Uh, he, took, he looked really great in the first round. A um, lot of dominant positions. Uh, Cerrone scored a takedown towards the end of the round into the half guard and he ended up catching uh, Paul Kelly with some knees on the ground, and um, that was it. There was just a ton of knees from the ground, also some elbows. Kelly ended up suffering a cut towards the end of the round, and that was the, that was the end of round one. In round two, uh, Cerrone, very aggressive coming in. He engaged really well, and he ended up taking the fight to the ground again. He ended up getting a mount, at which point Paul Kelly started doing so, trying to buck out of the out of the um, out of the position, out of top position, at which point Cerrone ended up taking the back and caught him with a choke at the end of round two. Cerrone looked really good in the fight. Keep an eye out on it for him at 155. He's going to definitely be a force 
Uh, moving into the pay-per-view card, Antonio Panuelos and Miguel Torres, I expected a super exciting fight, especially for the Bantamweights debuting on pay-per-view. A lot of people really took to Twitter to shit on this fight. They felt what, that the fight wasn't the exciting Miguel Torres fight that we've seen in the past. Personally, I, I can see Miguel Torres was definitely trying to fight smart and not get caught. He was trying to put on more of a technical performance. Not too many people were fond of that, though. They, they bitched and complained. Like I said, it wasn't a clinic. It wasn't super exciting, but it was, it was an entertaining fight, and it was a good way for the bantamweights to be introduced to the division. I mean, to the pay-per-view audience. It was unfortunate the way it went down, but, hey, I, I, I felt that Miguel Torres fought smart, and now that he's been in the big stage, at least, you know, he's got those jitters out of the way, and I think that his next few fights are definitely going to be exciting. I'm a huge Miguel Torres fan. Banuelos was no joke, but he just let uh, Miguel Torres put a clinic on him as well. Miguel Torres took the fight via unanimous decision across the board. Um, on the welterweight side of things, Jake Ellenberger was uh, facing Carlos Eduardo Roca. Uh, Ellenberger ended up taking the fight via split decision. I actually watched this fight in bits and pieces just because I wasn't, you know, I followed I followed Ellenberger before and I've seen some of his fights, but I just thought that the fight wasn't as exciting as it should have been, and part of it, I guess, was just because I was distracted while watching the fight. But overall, Ellenberger took the fight via split decision, and um, Roca looked good in the first round. i got to tell you this. Uh, the second round looked a little even uh, with Ellenberger shooting in and getting a takedown, but Roca went for a triangle. He landed some shots as the round ended, so definitely a close second round. But Ellenberger put in a lot of good work in the third round, closing it out with a shoot, at which point he took Roca down and delivered some short elbows. And uh, just a solid performance by Ellenberger. Again, keep an eye out for him in the welterweight division. Let's move into the top three main events, so to speak, Ryan Bader and John Bones Jones. Bader was coming in 13-0, and uh, John Jones 11-1. and uh, Round one, Jones coming in doing, doing what he does best, you know, using his, his, his very unique striking style. Uh, when the round ended, Jones was in half guard. He was working a lot of elbows to the ribs of Ryan Bader to close it out and delivering some big shots. So Jones definitely very impressive in the first round. In round two... John Jones, again, just just turning it up a notch, just getting it in. He was throwing some leg kicks. He was definitely stalking Bader, but he was definitely also the aggressor in the fight. He caught Bader with a body kick. Uh, when Bader caught the kick, uh, the fight went to the ground, at which point Jones ended up on top, and Jones locked in a Darce choke, but he ended up transitioning to a guillotine choke, and Bader tapped. So John Jones wins the fight uh, via submission. Again, great performance by John Jones. Shortly after that, it was an announcement that Rashad Evans blew out his knee and that the UFC would like John Jones to take the title shot against Shogun. So Shogun entered the cage, of course, uh, a little face-to-face with John Jones. John Jones will be meeting Shogun at UFC 128. Super excited for this fight. John Jones is a, an exciting fighter to watch. He's a great young prospect, and his career is only just getting started. I can tell you that a fight with Shogun is going to be fireworks from start to finish. you got Muay Thai um, from uh, Shogun in there and against the striking of John Jones, and if the fight goes to the ground with Jones' wrestling, it's definitely going to be an exciting fight for sure. Uh, the light heavyweight fight with Forrest Griffin and Rich Franklin definitely was not feeling this fight. Forrest Griffin ended up winning via unanimous decision. He looked good in all three rounds. Um, I don't know. Rich Franklin just didn't seem into it. I, I, I kind of thought he may have been injured. Um, 
but Griffin definitely dominated all three rounds. He was putting in a, a serious clinic. Every round that ended, um, you know, Griffin looked really good, especially towards the last round where um, Franklin was in guard, but Griffin uh, managed to get up. And once again, there was uh, some good knees by Griffin on the clinch and um, push kick by Forrest Griffin to close it out. looked really good. Forrest Griffin via unanimous decision. Of course, the middleweight title bout, Steven Seagal comes out with Anderson Silva. Let the jokes begin with that. Um, I was expecting uh, Vitor Belfort to engage with some striking. Anderson Silva kind of feel it out, dance around a little bit around one. But that was not the case. Uh, Anderson Silva came out, did a little bit of dancing. Uh, Belfort threw some, some leg kicks. Anderson Silva you worked the jab a little bit. The Anderson dancing, you know, doing typical Anderson Silva bullshit, um, at which point... They traded some kicks, but Belfort ended up missing a left, at which point Anderson Silva used a Muay Thai teep and caught Vitor Belfort square in the face, and he's down, and that is a wrap, folks. Anderson Silva took it via round one KO. Um, definitely really impressive from Anderson Silva catching Vitor with a teep, um, which is usually a push, a Muay Thai push kick. He ended up catching him square in the face, and ladies and gentlemen, that was a wrap. Anderson Silva got... Uh, of course, looked dominant as always, put Vitor Belfort to sleep. At this point, I feel Anderson Silva has closed out his division, and the fight with uh, GSP is inevitable. It's just a matter of GSP getting past uh, Jake Shields, which there, there, there's a very, very large part of me that feels that it's going to go down that way, but who knows? Anything can happen in mixed martial arts, but Anderson Silva wins. He retains his belt, and we move onwards so hopefully seeing Silva and GSP to see who is the best pound for pound, excuse me the best pound for pound fighter in the UFC today. So that's UFC 126, folks. Let's talk about some other MMA news. Um, like I said, John Jones defeated Bader and was offered the shot against Shogun. Following that, some fight bonuses were handed out. The $75,000 KO bonus went to Anderson Silva. The submission of the night went to John Jones, and fighting of the night went to Donald Cerrone and Paul Kelly. Regarding some payouts, I just want to kind of scratch the surface of some of the payouts. Um, Anderson Silva made $200,000 for his fight, and Vitor Belfort made $275,000. Forrest Griffin made two seventy-five, dollars and Rich Franklin, defeated, uh, Rich Franklin, who was defeated, got $75,000. Um, Forrest Griffin in that 275 had a $150,000 win bonus. John Jones made $140,000. He that included the $70,000 win bonus. Uh, Ryan Bader made $20,000. Um, really, really some some crazy numbers here. Uh, Kid Yamamoto made $15,000 in his loss, and Demetrius Johnson made $10,000. He got $5,000 win bonus. So definitely some really nice payouts out at UFC 126. Speaking of which, in, in keeping with some UFC news, UFC is actually continuing to look further into international expansion. Uh, Dana White went on record earlier this week saying that the promotion will look to host live events in both Sweden and Japan in 2011. Um, Dana White did confirm previous rumors about Sweden, which he had discussed prior to UFC 126, and also uh, an event in Japan. Uh, the UFC hasn't been in Japan since UFC 29 in 2000. Wow, I felt really old. Uh, reading that, but you know the big the big gets of course we're still trying to get New York. Um, UFC is already taking care of Toronto. There's a lot of rumors saying that you never know it might be um, 
you know, GSP and Anderson Silva fighting in Cowboy Stadium. Who knows? But definitely a great a great time for the UFC, especially expanding into international markets, and it continues to help the sport of MMA grow. So I'm looking forward to that. UFC 127's Countdown will debut on February 24th on Spike TV and on Versus. You can catch it on the 24th at 8 p.m. on Versus and at 11 p.m. on Spike TV. You're also going to get replays on February 25th and February 26th. UFC 127 is going to have uh, BJ Penn against John Fitch as the main event. you got Michael Bisping and Jorge Rivera, Dennis Seaver and George Sotaropoulos. Chris Lytle's meeting Brian Ebersole after um, Carlos Condit had to withdraw because of a knee injury. Um, and Chris Camozzi and Kyle Noak are going to run, out, run down your, excuse me, are going to close out your main card. Your preliminary card, you've got Spencer Fisher and Ross Pearson, um, Alexander Gustafson and James Tahuna. You've got Ricky Fakuda and Nick Ring, uh, Mark Hunt and Chris Tuxer, Um And Jason Reinhardt is also on that card, as well as Anthony Paroche. Um, like I said, UFC 127 is going to be out of Sydney, Australia, from the Acer Arena. So definitely want to see this John Fitch and BJ Penn fight. Um, there's, some, there's definitely a fight of the night honors there, especially if John Fitch chooses to trade with Penn. Um, seeing the last couple of John Fitch fights, I kind of see him trying to grind out the decision, but you never know. BJ Penn is always trying to give exciting fights, so he may try to keep the fight standing. We shall see how that unfolds for sure. Kenny Florian announced via Twitter that he will be dropping down to the 145-pound featherweight division. He confirmed it by stating, I indeed will be fighting at 145. It's a great new challenge. Goal is to get the featherweight belt and then go back up to 155. Um, I think at this point, um, a drop to 145 may actually be better for Florian. I think a fight with uh, Jose Aldo would be very exciting and at 55, there's way too many guys right now. I think Kelly Florian might get lost in the mix. And not for nothing, Jose Aldo definitely needs challengers. And Kenny Florian would pose a, an interesting challenge for sure. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, according to MMA Junkie, Thiago Silva may be out of his bout against Rampage at UFC 130. And rumors are that Rashad Evans, who withdrew from the Shogun fight due to the knee injury, may be stepping in at UFC 130 to meet Rampage. As of right now, there's been rumors that uh, Thiago Silva's drug test, uh, he pissed hot on one test and pissed clean on another. I don't have the specifics yet, so I'm not going to go into it and and say that it's 100% true. But I honestly, after the, the last fight with Rampage and Rashad, which I was super excited for, and, and the fucking snore fest that it was, I really would like to see them fight again and hopefully erase that bad taste out of everybody's mouth with that shitty-ass fight from before. Um, as of right now, it seems that Rashad definitely is the favorite for this fight. A lot of people said that Rampage was supposed to be meeting Shogun, but he had to withdraw. Of course, a lot of people, of course, went automatically to the worst-case scenario that Rampage uh, chickened out. That was not the case. He felt that he was weighing in at 250 pounds, and to drop that much weight in a short amount of time would, wouldn't happen. On top of that, he felt that he wouldn't be um, 100% ready to train, especially now that he's not uh, training hardcore for this next fight. He's just been uh, doing maintenance training leading up to his next fight. I think that, uh, you know, it, it's a common-sense decision for Rampage. Why is he going to go in there and and fuck around and not get the belt and look like shit when he can get some good training in and hopefully have a better performance against Evans? We shall see what happens. But as of right now, Thiago Silva is 
penciled in for 130. He's not 100%, so we'll see how that unfolds. This weekend is the Strike Force and M1 Global uh, World Heavyweight Grand Prix. I definitely recommend you guys check it out if you got Showtime. It is a fantastic heavyweight Grand Prix tournament. I'm, I've been kicking myself all week for not being able to partake in some of the events like the Roseland Ballroom Press Conference, uh, some of the events in, that are going to be going on in Jersey, just because of work and a whole bunch of other shit. But next time, I'm not going to let it happen. If you have Showtime, check it out. Uh, the main event is Fedor against Antonio Silva. You also got Andre Arlovsky and Sergey uh, Karatanov. You got Shane Del Rosario versus LeVar Johnson. Uh, Valentin Overeem is going to be fighting Ray Seffo, which I want to see that fight. And Chad Griggs and Gian Vellante are also going to be on the main card. For the prelims, you got Mark Stevens fighting. You got Igor Gracie fighting. Josh Labarge is going to be on the card as well. And Jason McLean, that's going to be on the prelims, and you can catch those on HDNet. So that is going to round up the MMA new, round out the MMA news for this week. Uh, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When I get back, we're going to talk some wrestling right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices, like. <laughs> Well, you won't listen to that on our show, because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. wrestling Monday Night Raw first let me let me go on record as saying that this Raw you would have expected to be special especially because Vince McMahon was going to be there but I was really unfucking impressed this week uh, Vince McMahon opened up the show he did a little announcement that Wrestlemania is going to have a special guest host um, of course speculation is running rampant frankly I think that the guest host will probably be The Rock I think he would be the most fitting guest host for WrestleMania, and he would actually have a lot of great interactions with the talent over the course of the three-hour broadcast that they have. So my bet is on The Rock. We'll see what happens. Um, also announced is that the Green Bay Packers are going to be on SmackDown this week, um, and there's going to be some stuff going on there. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but if you're a Packers fan and you want to check out some decent wrestling this week, SmackDown might be the better option. Like I said, Monday Night Raw first match was R-Truth against Mason Ryan uh, from the New Nexus. Total fucking bullshit this match. They they just looked, uh, they had zero chemistry. The main focus of this match was to start setting the, uh, setting up the Nexus as trying to injure participants for the Elimination Chamber. Mason Ryan, just an animal. He pretty much clowned R-Truth. He ended up beating him with a, uh, what, what the hell was that move? Some people called it a stretch muffler. Uh, pretty much it's where he takes the leg and wraps it across his neck, almost bending it and hyperextending the knee. Nonetheless, the match looked more as a coming-out party for Ryan 
who still looked a little stiff in the ring, especially because he's a bigger dude, which seems to be the case with most guys that are fucking carved out of, out of granite that they move like shit. So, again, just just the, the chemistry between b- both wrestlers just wasn't gelling. It, it, it served its purpose in them trying to injure the Elimination Chamber participants, but the match itself was fucking piss poor. Um, next up, we had a Divas match with Eve Torres and Gail Kim and Tamina against Molina and the Bella Twins, a complete clusterfuck from start to finish. I'm not even going to go into the match. Needless to say, it stunk, and the commentary was shit. I actually wanted to jump through my television and kick Michael Cole in the balls because I know they're trying to sell him as a heel announcer, but sometimes he's, uh, he sounds like shit. He, he gets way too into it in terms of being a heel, and it just sounds so forced and contrived. Definitely not a fan. Uh, John Morrison and Michael McGillicuddy was next. Of course, this continues, like I said, with the Nexus trying to injure the Elimination Chamber participants, but John Morrison was not the one to be injured as he proceeded to whoop Michael McGillicuddy's ass. Pretty much the match was a squash, in my opinion, and um, Michael McGillicuddy, for being the son of Mr. Perfect, they're really not doing much with him in terms of getting him over with the fans other than him being part of Nexus. Next, we had a little bit of a snooze fest promo with The Miz and Alex Riley and Jerry Lawler, and then Daniel Bryan came out and they had them making a six-man tag match. Decent at best. I mean, you know, anytime Daniel Bryan is on TV, I'm usually very happy, and Ted DiBiase as well, just because he's been fucking just treated like shit as of late. I don't know who he pissed off, but they've been booking him terribly. Um, I think that... A couple of things that I've noticed with this match, The Miz continues to be made to look like a complete jackass. For, for a guy who's supposed to be your heavyweight champion, they really do take much pride in clowning him every week. So definitely not a fan of that. Uh, King Sheamus and David Otunga was next. Um, CM Punk, of course, involved himself in the match, and um, Alberto Del Rio as well. It was... Eh, it was interesting. I mean, David Otunga still has a long way to go in terms of of his wrestling ability. You know, David Starscream Otunga is just really good at being the yes man of the group. I, I feel that his wrestling still needs a lot of work, and he hides behind the fact that he can just get over with his mic skills alone, and that's not going to go very far. I mean, it works for a lot of guys, but for a guy who's who's not being booked for a mid-card or main event slot, He's, got, he's not showing people very much. People could really give two shits about him, especially because he's piss-colored and wears Ed Hardy wrestling tights. He, he, there's, zero, there's zero to give a fuck about with him. Uh, Santino Morella, for some reason, was put in a singles match against Alberto Del Rio. If you thought for one instance that Santino was going to win this shit, you are out of your fucking mind. Of course, Alberto Del Rio wins with the cross-arm breaker. Next, we get a little segment with uh, Vicky Guerrero and Dolph Ziggler, blah, blah, blah. John Cena comes out, cuts himself a bit of a promo. Typical John Cena screaming promo makes fun of Vicky Guerrero and Dolph Ziggler. And to close it out, the main event was John Cena and CM Punk. Anybody who didn't think that the new Nexus was going to come out and try and put a beating on John Cena, you're out of your fucking minds. Of course, they did come out. Jerry Lawler came out, handed a chair to Cena, to fend off the attack. Just a a really lackluster Raw, in my opinion. I expected so much more, especially leading up towards WrestleMania, but it definitely wasn't good, man. It wasn't good. Not even Vince McMahon's 
uh, opening statement helped save this show this week. Raw was poor. In some other wrestling news, WWE announced that besides Stone Cold Steve Austin hosting Tough Enough, Booker T will be joining Tough Enough as a trainer. So keep an eye out for Booker T um, imparting his wrestling wisdom on the new Tough Enough recruits in the new season of Tough Enough on USA. In some other wrestling news, like I said earlier, um, TMZ reported that the Green Bay Packers will be attending the SmackDown tapings. Um, Of course, they will be getting world title belts from the WWE, and they're also going to have a meet and greet with the superstars. So definitely it's going to be a a good night, If you, like I said, if you're a Green Bay fan or just want to see the exchange on SmackDown. It was was all right. You know, it was definitely a little bit of uh, placating to the Green Bay fans, but it's all good. No worries. Um, Last but not least, uh, everybody's talking about the 221 promo. Uh, If you look on Hulu, which I did earlier this week, uh, it says for the 221 promo, he's coming back, which obviously points more towards The Undertaker than to Sting, because Sting has never been in the WWE, but at this point, it doesn't even matter. I mean, if The Undertaker comes back, it's become such an uneventful thing for The Undertaker to come back, and nobody gives a shit. It's, uh, it's really something of, The Undertaker got hurt, he's back, who's he going to fight at WrestleMania? Of course he's going to win, wash, rinse, and repeat. That, that's how it goes. I mean, 221... If they, unless they go and throw us all a curveball and it's Sting, I almost feel it in my bones, 85%, that it's going to be The Undertaker. But who knows? Sometimes the WWE has been known to actually do shit right and throw the fans a curveball and give us something totally different. We shall see how it unfolds. I'm going to take another quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk video games. I'm going to open up discussing the fuckery that Fox News put out this week right after this. What if it's on tonight, even? Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say this is the deal of the century, people? I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight, tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m., blogtalkradio.com, Eastern Standard Time? Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? All right, and we're back. Let's talk some video games, folks. Let me open it up with with a with the always wonderful Fox News. Let me tell you guys something before I get into this. When it comes to uh news stories, uh, political issues. I really can't stand CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. I, I can't stand these networks because they spend so much energy in spinning the news to deliver it with their message that they lose sight of what the fuck is really going on. That's, again, my personal opinion. For those of you that support those networks and what they try to do, I, I sincerely uh, don't give a fuck if you get mad. The, the fact is that when you look at, at, at somebody like, especially with Fox News, and I'm going to read this to you guys. I'm not going to read too much of it because, I'm, you know, you guys can find it out online. But the, the article was titled, Is Bulletstorm the Worst Video Game in the World? It was written by John Brandon, uh, February 8th, and it was published on foxnews.com. I'm going to tell you guys right now that it was, 
shared on Facebook 7,000 times, and it has already received more than 900 comments. I'm going to open it up with this. Parents, it better beware there's a bullet storm on the horizon. In the new video game Bulletstorm through February 22nd, players are rewarded for shooting enemies in the private parts. There's an excess of profanity, of course, including frequent use of F-words, and Bulletstorm is particularly gruesome with body parts that explode all over the screen. But that's not the worst part. The in-game award system called Skillshot ties the ugly graphic violence into explicit sex acts. Topless means cutting an enemy player in half, while gangbang means killing multiple enemies. And with kids as young as nine playing such games, the experts FoxNews.com spoke with were nearly universally worried that the video game violence may be reaching a fever pitch. All right. Before I continue with this article, let me let me let me let me go into into this. I know a lot of listeners have children and have and have and you know our parents in some shape, way, or form, myself being a, a, an insta-parent myself, um, if you see a game such as Bulletstorm or any other M-rated title and your child is fucking nine, why would they be playing that? What? Even the most stupid-ass parent wouldn't let a nine-year-old play something like Grand Theft Auto, but Fox News takes it upon themselves to automatically assume that you're going to let your nine-year-old play it. And of all ages, they chose nine. What was, was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 fucking taken? No. But, of course, they look at the game with a broad stroke. And I will elaborate further with the following. If a younger kid experiences Bulletstorm's explicit language and violence, the damage could be significant, according to Dr. Jerry Weichman, a clinical psychologist at the at the Hogue Neurosciences Institute in Southern California. Violent video games like Bulletstorm have the potential to send the message that violence and insults with sexual innuendos are the way to handle disputes and problems, Weichman said. Moving on further, Carol Lieberman, a psychiatrist and book author, told FoxNews.com that sexual... Excuse me told foxnews.com that sexual situations and acts in video games highlighted so well in Bulletstorm have led to real-world sexual violence. All right. You know, let, let, me, let me elaborate this. And I, and I really want to elaborate it for a couple of reasons. Carol Lieberman voiced her opinion on this. It's, it's, been, it's been already published that Fox News... Uh, conveniently edited the commentary from both uh, Dr. Weichman and uh, Miss Lieberman to kind of add fuel to the fire for this article. Carol, Lieber Carol Lieberman has a book on Amazon, and need needless to say, the video game community did not take too kindly to her commentary and proceeded to just bury her in her book reviews on Amazon.com. This type of a reaction, while it is, uh, it is great to see gamers uniting uh, on, on such a, a pivotal issue, especially when games that we play are being viewed with, with the most broadest of strokes and are not being researched. It's, it's really unfortunate. I felt bad uh, for Ms. Lieberman, especially for being misquoted and being attacked, not, not, not viciously, but definitely uh, reminded of, of the fact that many video game players are also adults with full-time jobs that have 
some wits about them. But the the statement that Fox News published I, really bothered me because the, they put this particular statement: the increase the increase in rates can be attributed in large part to the playing out of sexual scenes in video games. It, when I read this before I found out that, you know, they were misquoted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I said to myself, Kratos has a threesome with two girls in God of War. Last time I checked, I didn't see any kids going to school and trying to have a threesome with, their, with, with, with two of their classmates. I didn't see that. I didn't see a, a nine-year-old kid with his body painted white and his head shaved with red makeup walking into school with two giant swords trying to get some ass. The fact that they sit there and they, and they propagated so, something so stupid as that, especially from, from a news organization, really gets under my skin. I've played enough violent video games where I've seen some really crazy shit. You know, the, the, the hot coffee mod and, and, and the backlash from that. But I continue to reinforce what I've said in countless MTR episodes, and it's the fact that gaming companies, retailers, news, you know, video game magazines, blogs, we are not required to police your children. Regardless of what this article is stating, I'm saying it in general. Have some common sense as a parent. And keep an eye on what the fuck your kids are playing. Do not pluck your kid in front of the TV and expect Big Bird or fucking uh, Justified on FX to raise your fucking kids. Because this is the kind of shit that it just, it just strokes the, the fires even further. I want to just cite an example. One of our, one of our staff members, uh, Josh, has a little girl named Maddie. She's adorable. And... Josh keeps an eye on everything that Maddie does regarding the TV she watches, the game she plays. He takes the time, mind you, she's only two, to reinforce the values of what's right and what's wrong because he's a hands-on parent. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's the fact that Josh knows, and, and Josh plays just as many violent video games as me. Um, myself, I, I have my two sisters. Regardless of the fact whether they're de developmentally disabled or not, I monitor everything they watch, the programming they watch, especially my younger sister. You know, she likes she likes the hip, she likes to listen to hip hop. You know, she'll be watching BET. But sometimes I'll wander in there, and there'll be there'll be some suspect shit on TV on BET. I'll be like, yo, you got to change that. And that's just the way it is. There's there's a certain there's a certain hands on skill set that parents need to embrace. And for some reason, I've seen it lost over the last few years. It just seems like here. Play this game and get the fuck out of my face. But then when your kid does something stupid, the easier scapegoat is the gaming industry because there's no, there's no way to, to defend yourselves. There's no way for the gaming uh, industry to defend itself correctly when some of the representatives just aren't stepping up the way they should. I admire the, the gaming community uniting against this, but I just feel that some of the bigger uh, gaming outlets out there, like comp you know companies like IGN, Joystick, um, some of my fellow broadcasters, like, you know, including myself. Um, the fact is, you need to really step up in a unified front and really take it to Fox News and tell these motherfuckers, hey, you know, many of us are educated, we, we make good salaries, and we play our games, but we know 
the difference between right and wrong and, and the fact that we try to impart these values on our children for those of us that have them, and you guys are just making this particular industry, which is a multi-million dollar industry, look like shit. It, it, it appalls me. It really appalls me that nobody is stepping up to handle this accordingly. Um, I already see the board lighting up. I'm going to bring Slick in first. Slick, you're on the air. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? Uh, on the whole bullet storm thing, first, what, what you I'm going to go backwards first. Um, That's fine. Go ahead. What you, what you said on, you know, like the big industry part of our, our culture stepping up and everything, I mean, it really hasn't happened yet, but, and normally we shit on them, but the one, the one um, media, big media giant that has stepped up in the past against Fox News is G4, at least in the form of X-Play. It shit all over Fox News for the whole Mass Effect thing with the, the sex scenes and everything. Hopefully they'll do it again with Bulletstorm. The thing with Bulletstorm, I, I wanted to jump in when you were saying something earlier. Um, they mentioned that this a game like this would be damaging to a nine-year-old. Well, first of all, the game's rated M, so why is a nine-year-old playing it? And you said that and a parent's not going to get this for a nine-year-old, which unfortunately is incorrect. Because I've witnessed asshole parents buying Grand Theft Auto for an eight-year-old. But, I mean, like you said, it's not up to us to police your children. And nope. it is up to the parents. And if you're going to be a dumbass and buy Bulletstorm for your kid and you see your kid, you know, tearing somebody apart and getting a topless achievement, whose fault is that? Exactly. It's the parent. You know, think of it like this. I played the Bulletstorm demo. You have one section of the game where you you can lasso um, a bad guy, kick them in the chest into a spiked wall. The guy's impaled on the wall, and he's leaking out all over the place. And I said to myself, wow, that's pretty fucking cool. But I also said to myself, this this is definitely pushing the envelope. And, and, and you know what it is? I, I said it. Uh, on Facebook when I played the game, and I said that stylistically the game is, is beautiful, but, you know, there's not much. There's a lot of style and not enough substance. And, you know, while that is my personal opinion, I feel that for news organizations to not take the opportunity to talk to the creators or the publishers and really get a feel for the game, it's just, you know what they're doing? Instead of making people cringe at the thought of the game, they're going to make more people run out to buy it. So way to exactly. go. Thanks for... Thanks for being the marketing campaign, assholes. Now they don't got to do yeah. shit. Oh, one or two commercials, and that's it. Makes me wonder how they got their, their hands on it. Maybe Cliffy B, you know, dropped some, something in the right place, but that's a whole other story. But exactly. my thing is, you're making this big shit over Bulletstorm, which is going to be a mediocre game at best because it's going to be repetitive as shit. And... I mean, if you really wanted, if you're Fox News and you really wanted to, you know, go against something, you have a game out there right now that actually is doing the work for you in the form of Dead Space 2. I mean, the whole campaign for Dead Space 2 is that your mom will hate this game. It's like the website for the game isn't deadspace.com or deadspace2.com. It's yourmomhatesthis.com. 
And the whole commercial is they got a bunch of mothers to sit and watch gameplay footage, and take, they take their reaction like they were watching Two Girls, One Cup. And, I mean, for us, it's laughable. But, I mean, parents, a lot of parents really would find a lot of that shit disturbing. And they wouldn't buy it for their fucking nine-year-old kid because the shit is disturbing. The game's meant to be disturbing even to the people who are supposed to be playing it. You know, it, 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 it goes against my better judgment that news organizations hire mindless fucking assholes to deliver the news. You know what? Gone are the days when you can actually connect with the fucking people that, that, that delivered the news. Now it's just a bunch of mindless fucking beautiful assholes reading a teleprompter, delivering the news, and then they're delivering their, their message, uh, you know, subtly in their broadcast, you know, because you look at this game, and again, stylistically wonderful, substance-wise, not that great, but you know what, there's been worse fucking games out there, so what, you say topless, what about when you had the, uh, the, the, the BMX triple X, and you had the chicks on bikes topless, you know, what about the fucking hot coffee mod, so what, your screen says topless, your screen says shit dicks, whatever the fuck it says, who cares? There's been worse shit. I hate, I hate the quasi-outrage from, from, from the news organization, when, especially reading this article. And while I have you on, I'm going to read you this particular bit of information, which, of course, like, like I said, was misquoted. Uh, the Entertainment Software Rating Board, the ESRB, rates all video games as a guide for parents. Each game carries a letter label at retail, T for teen, M for mature, and an online-only summary. Lieberman and others say it's useless because it isn't enforced at retail. Now, before I ask your opinion, enforcing at retail, you don't, it's, it's like cigarettes. You can enforce to a point. If a parent comes and buys the kid the game or a stranger comes and buys your kid cigarettes, how is the retailer to blame at this point? Do you think that Best Buy that services, you know, a Best Buy that services 10,000 to 20,000 people a day is going to go out of their way to tell your kid who they don't know if it's with an adult or not not to buy an M-rated game along with all the other shit they got going on? They got to stop and do that too? Well, that's the shit that's bullshit because it is enforced at retail simply because your Best Buys and your Toys R Us's and even your mom and pop stores are not going to risk getting shut the fuck down because there are laws against selling those games to minors. I mean, right. even I've been carded. Hey, I've been carded myself. Years. I've been carded myself, but it's just the fact that while the retailer can only go so far, you can't account for, you can't discount the fact that parents do buy their kids these fucking games because you know what it is? They refuse to fucking learn. I've walked into enough rape stops and enough Best Buys to see the rating systems posted. Posted. And the parents All blindly the walk by. They blindly... It's like, it's like... It's a retailer's fault that your dumbass mom or your dumbass dad doesn't take a second to read the ratings. It's like movies. You know, the ratings are there for a reason. If you choose to not acknowledge them, whose fault is that really? And nobody fucking complains at Fox News about shit like 
saw 3D or, like, the hills have eyes and shit like that, but they complain about video games. Shit that has real people getting torn apart, they don't complain about. Dude, when it's raiding season for some of these news organizations, they'll make sure to show a protest and a hail of gunfire killing protesters. Where's the policing in that? On an open forum, you could probably see somebody getting shot on national television. Like, you can see a, a hail of gunfire take out protesters, like, for, like to, to, to quote something relevant, like in Egypt. They show all these outbreaks of violence, and it's like, here we are, live on the scene. Look at this guy getting punched in the face, and these glass bottles that are Molotov cocktails flying through the air that protesters are throwing at the military. Oh, yeah, we can show that, and nobody bats an eyelash because it's considered fucking news. So why should everybody's entertainment be regulated the same way? It's like the ratings are there. I guess because, like you said, with the gaming, the gaming industry, nobody stands up and checks them on their bullshit. Yep. So they, it's they an easy target. Yep, it's 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 not a unified front. I think that if that if the game, I mean, you know, the ESRB is out there and some of these other gaming organizations, but the, but it's just a united front. Like right now, this woman, which which I feel bad for, just the same, uh, you know, is getting ripped apart by gamers because she was misquoted. And there's actually excerpts from the un uh, from the unmodified interview that showed that her that her explanations were taken out of fucking content. Out of context, it, it's unfortunate. But what can we do? Anything that anything that sponsors Bill O'Reilly is going to be taking people out of context to make themselves look better. There you go. Anything else you want to add, my friend? Before I bring helmet on? No, nah, not right now. All right, homie. Thanks for the call, as always. All right, talk to you later. Later. Dark Helmet, what do you got, my friend? So how is this magical nine-year-old going to just walk into GameStop and buy this game? That's what I want to know. If if it's not important. They're just going to produce cash that they don't even have because they don't have a job, and they're going to buy a game. Like, I want this game because it has the guns and the blowing up and the rape and the... Yeah. No. No. It doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. And, you know... The funniest thing is that, you know, in, in, pluck, in plucking some quotes out of the article, and, you know, I'll do the same thing with Slick, I'll read you this, video game advocates say that the existing warning system works fine. Parents are responsible for deciding whether their kids can play games, not the government. Epic, the, the game's developer, did not respond to foxnews.com's request. I wouldn't either. But game publisher EA released the following statement. Bulletstorm has been given an M rating by the ESRB, and we have adhered to all their guidelines in regards to the marketing and promotion of Bulletstorm. Translation is they're doing their freaking job. There you That's go. what they're supposed to. It's, yeah, like, uh, yeah, we did what we're supposed to do. It's not our pro- fault if some idiotic parent goes and buys a game and then complains. No. Look at the cover art. Take a, two seconds to look at the back. And it talks about blowing stuff up and killing and violence. Hmm. Well, you no. know what? Oh, it's going to be magical. The blood's actually going to be puppies and unicorns. And, oh, you're not killing them with guns. You're killing them with cute kitties. 
Well, here's something funny. If you go, if you go to the ESRB warning for Bulletstorm online, listen to this warning and see everybody's complaint. You know, Fox News made it a point to say like, oh, it's only online and it's not in stores. Regardless, we live in a generation where we are plugged in all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. A good parent will research it. Listen to the warning that, he, that, that the ESRB has for Bulletstorm. The dialogue contains numerous jokes and comments that reference sexual acts, venereal diseases, and having sex with one's mother. The names of some skill shots are infused with sexual innuendo. Gag reflex, rear entry, drill dough, mile high club. One skill shot firing the hole allows players to shoot an enemy's exposed buttocks. That's actually a really fun one to try and get. But but then, but look. But still, yeah, no. We, we spend people spend hours upon hours on Facebook and anything else. A good parent whose kid says, "Hey, I want this game," is gonna check first. They're gonna check, and if they don't check, then 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 you know, boo who are an idiot. Yeah, but how much more descriptive is that? Yeah, really. What what else do they want? Do they want to say, uh, like, for example, of violence? Take chainsaw. Apply to log. Imagine log is human. I, I don't understand how much more how how much more they want the ESRB to do. When you look at you know movie ratings, it says rated R for strong violence and strong language. When you look at ESRB ratings, and you see them on on the box, it's rated T for teen or M for mature for scenes of you know blood and gore or or strong language. It's like, what more do they want on the box? Do they want a fucking paragraph? Seriously. Oh, that's all good. You got anything else to add, Dark Helmet? Not at the moment, but yeah, it's one of those ridiculous things. I posted in the chat the fun little um, thing, I guess, Botchweed.com took the article and put all their thoughts up into it, and it's pretty funny. Nice. I will check it out. Thanks for the call as always, Helmet. Absolutely. Later. Hey. All right. To, to not beat this up any further, I wanna um, I wanna just put this out from, from pluck this from the article. Video game publishers traditionally stay glib about the issue of violence. Microsoft maker of the Xbox 360 console declined to comment. Epic Games did not respond to requests, and the developer did not respond. Remy Schuyler, the vice president of public relations at Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, which makes numerous games offered the following statement. We don't have a comment for that story. In the end, those who don't see a problem with Bulletstorm praise the game for being innovative. One thing that tends to be ignored is that if Bulletstorm consisted solely of beating people up, it wouldn't be fun to play, say, said Hal Levy with the National Youth Rights Association. It's been praised for encouraging innovative thinking. Bulletstorm involves developing new moves and dispatching of enemies creatively. Plenty of emotionally unstable adults will play the game and they'll be fine, he said. It's it's just I I can't like I can I can sit here and nitpick at this article for a thousand reasons, but the fact that a major news organization wouldn't research what they're covering oh gee a big fucking shocker is uh, is bullshit in into itself. But if you do want to check it out, head over to foxnews.com/scitech/2011/02/08/bulletstorm-worse-game-kids. Check it out there. It's written by John Brandon. And by all means, take an opportunity and sound off in the comments and, and share your thoughts, because I personally think Fox News is full of shit. 
Anyway, all right. That that exhausted a a good amount of my of my vocal strength there. So let's move on. In some other video game news, uh, your next Halo game is going to be your first Halo game. According to Joystick, Halo Combat Evolved is being remade with a visual overall. Besides getting HD graphics, the game will get all new art assets. Controls will also be altered to fit the more recent control schemes. Joystick sources say that the game is being developed by Saber Interactive, the company behind Timeshift. Multiplayer details are still being worked out, but there is a rumor that it will have online co-op, and you can expect that release November 15th, 10 years after the original. In some other news from Joystick, uh, race, racing game Dirt 3 will officially be released worldwide on May 24th. In some other racing game news, it was announced that Ridge Racer is also making a comeback on the Xbox 360 and PC. Um, you'll be able to pick up Ridge Racer Unbound in 2012. And, of course, in, in something that we can all say was inevitable, Rovio Mobile has confirmed that Angry Birds will be coming to the 3DS this year. You'll be able to pick it up as a, as a, in 3DS where you'll be able to get all three versions, the original seasons and Rio, as a download from 3DS where. So you'll be able to see uh, the pigs being taken out in 3D. In some news that, that's pretty much sad to me, um, it was announced earlier this week that Hudson Entertainment was going to be closing its doors. Um, sadly, I will not be getting another Bloody Roar game, which I am a fan of. Um, according to Joystick, Hudson brand manager Morgan Harrow is closing down uh, all of Hudson's previously planned projects, and they have been canceled with the office closing its doors in February. The closure is a result of Konami acquiring the company. Harrow speculated that there apparently won't be any need for the talents within the San Mateo offices of Hudson Entertainment. Kind of sucks. I mean, I, I really enjoy the Bloody Roar games in particular, and, it, and it's sad to see a company like Hudson that's been around for so many years just, you know, get the death knell. In some Xbox Live news, Major Nelson has released dates and prices for some upcoming Xbox Live Arcade house party games. February 16th, you'll be able to pick up Hard Corpse Uprising for 1,200 points. After that, you'll be able to get Bejeweled Blitz on February 23rd for 800 points. In March, you'll get a couple of titles, too. Beyond Good and Evil HD on March 2nd for 800 points. Torchlight is going to be March 9th for 1,200 points. And Full House Poker is going to round things off with March with a March 16th launch date with 800 points. And something that I'm sure will make uh, Slick happy, I actually somebody forwarded this to me and I got to catch a glimpse of it. There will be an infamous two special edition which was on Amazon. It's going to be called a Hero Edition. You're going to get Cole McGrath's bag and along with that you're going to get an eight and a half inch statue, a voucher for new weapons, powers, and characters, plus a comic book and the soundtrack for the game. Amazon had it listed for $99.99 and it will be released May 24th. Uh, shortly after I got to check that out, the listing was taken down, so May 24th will be the date if you want to pick up the new uh, Infamous as of right now. So May 24th may be the date for that. All right, let's talk a little bit about Activision. A lot of stuff happened, of course. Activision announced that they will be getting rid of, uh, disbanding, well, Ceasing development of uh, Guitar Hero and DJ Hero games, as well as True Crime Hong Kong. Uh, the following was announced this week, and I'll read you an excerpt. 
Activision said that due to continued declines in the music genre, the company will disband Activision Publishing's Bizarre Guitar Hero business unit and discontinued development of its Guitar Hero game for 2011. The company also will stop development on True Crime Hong Kong. These decisions are based on the desire to focus on the greatest opportunities that the company currently has to create the world's best interactive entertainment experiences. Also announced that there will be no more entries for the Tony Hawk series either. Um, additionally, I've, there's been rumors saying that the Freestyle Games development staff will be let go. Based on that fallout, Activision announced that all downloadable content releases in February for Guitar Hero and DJ Hero will be the final releases. There will be no more downloadable content released after that. Any current downloadable content will be available for now. Also announced was the closure of Seven Studios, which, you know, it's just, it's really shitty for a couple of reasons. Activision, I understand DJ Heroes run its course. Um, I mean, Guitar Heroes run its course. But, again, I look at the bigger picture of just people losing their jobs. You could have figured out new IPs and new things to do um, instead of milking a franchise till it was fucking bleeding exclusively for, for your publishing company. I mean, did we really need Guitar Hero Aerosmith? Did we need Guitar Hero Green Day? I can understand, you know, that you guys did all that, but did we really need that? I mean, not Green Day, um... Uh, Guitar Hero Aerosmith. Did we really need shit like that? No. But you guys were doing uh, perfectly fine with just regular a regular Guitar Hero title. If you would have released one or two games and then made the rest of it downloadable content, you would be fine. But no, let's just fucking squeeze it till it's dead. And then you wonder why the sales dried up. And then, you know, it's like buy a new guitar, buy another new guitar. Oh, another game came out. Get another guitar. It's. It was a no-brainer that it that it had that the franchise had ran its course. I, I, again, I just feel bad for the people that end up being unemployed, especially with this shitty economy. That's all. But with the demise of Guitar Hero, Tony Hawk, True Crime, comes more Call of Duty. With the following, Call of Duty is going to get something new coming out. According to Bobby Kotick, they're going to do Call of Duty Beachhead which is the development of an innovative new digital platform and special services for our Call of Duty community. Nobody knows exactly what it's going to be focused on, but it's going to be a community strictly dedicated to Call of Duty. Beachhead will create the best-in-class online community, exclusive content, and a suite of services to supercharge the online gaming experience like never before, uh, Bobby Kotick said. The platform will support in-game integration and bring online experiences and console play together for the first time. The platform has been in development for over a year, and we're very excited about the increased value we can bring to the community. We look forward to sharing more specifics on this exciting new endeavor with you in the near future. Translation, we're going to take Call of Duty and continue to squeeze the fuck out of it to the point where you'll probably end up hating it as much as you hate Guitar Hero. That's, that, that's how I see it. At this, at this point... How much more can you do with Call of Duty that hasn't been done already? Call of Duty in space? Call of Duty World War II again? World War I, maybe. How about Call of Duty Civil War? Why do we have that? Why not? Because you guys have pretty much cranked out every other type of version that there is. In some other news, of course, the DICE event is going on right now, and Blizzard Entertainment CEO uh, Mike Morhaime 
has mentioned the possibility of seeing Diablo on consoles. According to Joystick, Morhaime said that Blizzard's preference for PC is because of its flexibility. He said the following, and I quote, I think you could make an argument that a game like Diablo might play very well on a console. It's something that we're actually doing an investigation into to seeing if it makes sense. So you never know. You may actually see Diablo on a console. Rounding things off, we're going to talk about uh, two things. One's going to be some hardware news, but I want to actually talk about the MPD charts that were put out on uh, Gama Sutra actually put this article up regarding the top ten new releases for the 2010 calendar year um, for each of the consoles. For Xbox 360, the top ten releases were the following. Call of Duty Black Ops, Halo Reach, Madden 11, Red Dead Redemption, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Battlefield Bad Company, Fable 3, NBA 2K11, Fallout New Vegas, and Mass Effect 2 were your top ten selling retail titles for the calendar year of 2010. Your top ten PS3 releases were Call of Duty Black Ops, uh, Madden, God of War, Red Dead Redemption, Final Fantasy XIII, NBA 2K11, Gran Turismo 5, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Battlefield Bad Company 2, and Medal of Honor. On the PSP side of things, which I'm surprised people were even buying games for that, number one was Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Number two was Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Madden was three. Toy Story was four. MLB 10 was five. NBA 2K11 was six. God of War Ghost of Sparta was seven. Mod Nation Racers was eight. And SOCOM and WWE SmackDown rounded out your PSP releases for calendar 2010. On the DS side of things... A no-brainer, Pokemon Soul Silver and Pokemon Heart Gold were your one and two titles. Uh, Mario vs. Donkey Kong was number three. Super Scribble Knots was four. Toy Story 3 was five on that chart. Lego Harry Potter, surprisingly, years one through four was six. Zuzu Pets was seven. Uh, Dragon Quest Nine was eight. Sonic Colors was nine. And Pokemon Ranger Guardian Signs was ten. Fuck, I don't even know what that was, Pokemon Ranger. Uh, Slick. If you get a chance, uh, send me a, a PM and let me know what the fuck Pokemon Ranger Guardian Signs is, because I have no idea what that is. For the Wii, the top ten releases for the calendar 2010 year were Just Dance 2, which I'm not surprised, Super Mario Galaxy, Donkey Kong Country, Epic Mickey, Michael Jackson The Experience, You Draw Studio, Wipe Out the Game, Lego Harry Potter, Call of Duty Black Ops, and Wii Party. So... Definitely a couple of titles which obviously were no-brainers for top ten slots on the uh, MPD retail side of things. Um, some surprising ones, too, especially on the uh, the DS side of things. I never knew that Zuzu Pets was a, was a popular thing, um, much less uh, Lego Harry Potter. On the Wii, I, I really knew that U-Draw Studios was popular, but I didn't think it was pop- it sold enough units to put itself in a number six spot on the chart. Uh, really some surprising titles in there. I'm not shocked that Mario Galaxy is in there. Just Dance 2 definitely has been under the radar and has been selling a ton of units. I've heard really good things about the game. I haven't. I, I think I haven't turned on the Wii in like three months at least, so maybe i got to turn it on and play some Tatsunoko versus Capcom or some other stuff. But uh, last but not least, I actually grouped this in the gaming news, but it's more of a tech news item. Bloomberg, is report, uh, Bloomberg News is reporting that Apple is working on a smaller, cheaper iPhone model 
to compete against the army of affordable handsets currently using Google's Android operating system. The report is citing anonymous sources, of course, briefed on the matter and claims that the company is looking to sell this new device for around $200 unsubsidized. The article also notes that Apple could be working on technology that makes it easier to use the iPhone on multiple networks. We presume that this is the simplest iPhone that's been rumored. Um, at 200 bucks, uh, you got a carrier-free phone that'll be able to be used on any carrier. I honestly think that a $200 iPhone at this point, especially unsubsidized, may actually help solidify Apple as the number one mobile platform across all carriers, strictly because you pretty much have all your iPhones out now. They're averaging between you know 250 to 300 dollars. Probably 300 to 400 now, especially with the newer ones and the iPhone 5 possibly around the corner. That a $200 unsubsidized unit, especially going simless, that can be used on every network, will definitely be embraced very quickly by providers like Sprint and T-Mobile. So, the reason I put this in the gaming space also is because you'll be able to also play that plethora of iPhone games and and iOS games that are currently in the iTunes Store, which in, uh, continues to add portable gaming saturation to the iPhone device. So definitely we're going to keep an eye out on that, and I will be talking about more tech stuff in the coming weeks, uh, more so on, on the site than on the show, but I am going to try and do some more uh, tech demos and stuff, especially with gadgets, on the My Take Radio TV channel on YouTube. So uh, if you want to check out some of the videos that are there now, you can head over to MyTakeRadio, uh, youtube.com slash MyTakeRadioTV and check out some of that stuff as well. With that, I'm going to take another commercial break, and when I get back, we are going to talk movies right after this. BornSouthern.com Extremely short commercial. We now return to your regular scheduled program, My Take Radio. Rich, take it away. All right, let's talk some movies. First off, um, some Superman movie news. Right now, of course, we know that um, Henry Cavill has been cast as Superman in the upcoming Zack Snyder Superman film. I discussed last week rumors of the possible candidates for Lois Lane. In regards to the villain now for the movie, there's some casting rumors. It seems that the villain for this particular film, I don't know if it's, with Zod or not, is actually going to be Ursa, which is uh, General Zod's right-hand woman in Superman 2. Of course, Lois Lane will be in the reboot, but I'm surprised that they were going in this direction. I don't know if General Zod will be included, but um, the leading ladies in line for the, for this particular role are Alice Eve, Diane Kruger, and Rosamund Pike um, are up for the role. Latino Review is saying that... Um, all of, you know, all of these women are in contention to play the Kryptonian villainous Ursa, like I said. Um, including Ursa, who's so, like, she's almost, an, not to say an obscure character, because she was in, used in Superman 2, but I'm honestly 
have a, I honestly have a feeling that General Zod will be the main villain with Ursa as, you know, the, the second banana, so to speak. Not to mention that there has to be some Lex Luthor involvement. It's, it's a no-brainer that Lex Luthor has to be in there in some shape, way, or form. Um, I, I definitely feel that Zod will be uh, the bigger bad in this movie, and, and Zack Snyder has already gone on record saying that this Superman movie will be more physical. So we're definitely going to see we're going to definitely see Superman mix it up physically with whatever villain it is. I definitely feel that Zod would be the best candidate, um, including Ursa. Like I said, is going to be interesting to say the least. Oh, looks like my sinus medication is slowly wearing off. Um, here's a little bit of what the fuck movie news for you guys. Uh, they are going to be doing a movie based on the Super Nintendo game, The Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Uh, filmmaker Donnie John Darko, how convenient, wants to get financing for the script he wrote based on the game. Apparently the film will be, will be made independently, and it seems to be moving forward. So, uh, yeah, Zombies Ate My Neighbors, the movie. Um, last week I had discussed that Sam Jackson said that he was going to be getting um, a, a female character to accompany Nick Fury and be alongside Nick Fury, which, of course, is Maria Hill. And casting has been finalized with Colby Smulders from How I Met Your Mother uh, playing the role of Maria Hill, uh, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Maria Hill in The Avengers. As of right now, it's not 100% confirmed. Smulders has emerged as the front runner for the role and they're saying that a deal can be finalized uh, very quickly. Uh, the film, of course, The Avengers begins production in April, which would match the annual break from How I Met Your Mother. Um, definitely, if you want to see what she looks like, uh, punch in Kobe, C-O-B-I-E, Smulders, S-M-U-L-D-E-R-S, and you can see how she looks and if she can uh, fit, fill the shoes of Maria Hill in the upcoming Avengers film. With some box office totals this week, The Roommate, um, a.k.a. Single White Female 2.0, was number one this week with $15.6 million. Number two was Sanctum. Number three was No Strings Attached. King's Speech was number four. The Green Hornet was five. The Right was six. The Mechanic was seven. True Grit was eight. The Dilemma was nine. And Black Swan was ten. In some Mortal Kombat webisode news, of course, Michael Jai White, when he was on the show, announced that they would be doing webisodes dedicated to each character in the Mortal Kombat series. Um, the first one has been cast already with Jerry Ryan confirming via her Twitter that she will be reprising her role of Sonya in the Warner Premier's Mortal Kombat digital series, which has already started filming in Vancouver. She wrote on Twitter, heading to the farmer's market, uh, this evening I head to Vancouver to shoot Mortal Kombat. Now it's official. Uh, she added later that she had just finished reading the script, and she put, holy crap, I think you might just love it. Get ready. Uh, Jerry Ryan, of course, played uh, Sonya in the Mortal Kombat Rebirth, so you will be able to catch that very soon, probably in the spring. In some Stallone news, because, of course, after The Expendables came out, we thought that he would kind of lay low for a bit. seems Stallone is getting back in front, of the, in front of the camera for a role in a movie called Headshot, uh, the film is going to be uh, directed by Wayne Kramer, who did Running Scared, and it's going to be about a New Orleans hitman, of course, probably played by Stallone, who, who, who joins forces with a New York City police officer in a high-stakes investigation. So the movie is going to be shooting in May in Louisiana and New York. Classify this next bit of news as a rumor. 
And as What the Fuck Movie News, uh, Lindsay Lohan's people have been saying that she may be involved in the Superman movie. Richard, Lindsay Lohan is reportedly up for a role in the major, in a major up for a major role in the film. Lindsay Lohan was supposed to meet with the Superman people, but her grand theft or her grand theft case has gotten in the way of that. So we'll see if she's actually going to get the opportunity. Uh, frankly, keep her the fuck away. Her fucking chain smoking, drinking, fucking kleptomaniac ass has enough shit going on to go and ruin this particular movie. I mean, she was good in Machete for what it was, but to involve her in something like Superman at this stage in the game is a little risky. In some Iron Man 3 news, they're saying that Shane Black may be the writer and director for Iron Man 3 when it starts filming after the Avengers. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Black met with Marvel executives to pitch his take on the sequel. Shane Black actually has worked with Robert Downey Jr. before, in the film Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, which may give him an edge because Downey has director's approval. But Black is not the only director under consideration, so keep an eye out for that. I mean, Shane Black might be good. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang was a good movie. Um, It should be interesting to see where they go, especially after Jon Favreau has withdrawn from doing another Iron Man film. In some other strange casting news, there are... They actually are casting for the Red Sonja film, and they, they're saying that they may want to go with Amber Heard to play Red Sonja. Um, Amber, Amber is the, is, according to uh, Avi Lerner, Lerner added that Amber is the new Red Sonja. She just doesn't know it yet. But um, Amber Heard, of course, is currently doing Drive Angry, but she seems to be a favorite for the role of Red Sonja. I don't know, man. That's that's a very physical role, and she's a small girl. I don't know how that shit's going to work, but, hey, it is what it is. Last but not least, some Transformers Darker than, Dark of the Moon news. Michael Bay spoke to MTV News recently, and he gave out a couple of news tidbits regarding the film. Of course, I'm always hesitant to report this stuff because Michael Bay likes to give out a lot of misinformation just to keep people guessing. As of right now, take this for what it is. Uh, Shockwave has been confirmed as the film's villain, and Bay says he's got a much lo- a much bigger gun and is more vicious than Megatron. So Shockwave is your main bad guy. Sentinel Prime is also included. Bay added, confirming the character, he's great. I can't tell you anything else other than he's great. So Sentinel Prime will be appearing in the movie. Bay also said that this would be his last movie in the series. It does have an end, yes because I'm finished doing this. Transformers Dark of the Moon will hit regular theaters and IMAX in 2D and 3D July 1st. All right, folks, that's pretty much it. It was a very quiet week this week. A couple of things I want to get out of the way, of course. A couple of plugs. Got to give a shout-out to the Beantown Gamer Crew, GamerFitNation.com, Michael Jai White, of course, MichaelJaiWhite.com. Uh, superhero stuff, look for them on Facebook or head over to their site if you want great Marvel and DC superhero gear, head over to SuperheroStuff.com. Of course, a shout-out to the VGN crew, Kevin, Jedi, Brian, Don Anderson, of course, who you can catch uh, Tuesdays at 10.30 on Tumbling with Tumbleweed on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And, of course, the plethora of VGN shows. If you want further information, head over to VGNRadio.com. Or, you know, you can get information there also for Cleveland Sports Radio and Medispective. 
Got to give a shout-out to our content partners again. Uh, this Week in Wrestling Podcast and MMA Valor. You can head over to MMAValor.com for uh, really great MMA coverage from somebody who does not pull no punches. Head over to MMAValor.com. Um, also check out Fighters.com and MMAGospel.com as well as the MMA Gospel Radio Show every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time on the Blog Talk Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Gospel for that. And, of course, some of our other uh, guest links you can check out on the links tab at mytakeradio.com, um, including Girl Gamer, Gaming Angels, uh, Go Creed Go for Consequences Creed. Um, you can get all those links there. Got to throw a quick shout-out to ocremix.org for their great music. They have a really good new album out called Heroes and Villains. I recommend you guys check it out. I'm going to be downloading it this week, and we'll be playing some tracks from it for the outro of future episodes of MTR, so definitely head over there and check it out. It is a free download. Of course, the crew at MMAJunkie.com for doing a great job, as always. FilmDrunk.com for their fucking kick-ass movie news and 411 Mania for all their great coverage on all the stuff that I cover on the show head over to 411 Mania and check them out as well. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 78 for Thursday, February 10th, 2011. If you'd like to be a guest or have questions or concerns, send me an email, mtrhost at gmail.com or mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow my personal account. It's akuma25, A-K-U-M-A, the number 25, or you can follow the show account, My Take Radio. If you're using Tumblr and you want to keep up with some of the random stuff that goes on uh, that's posted on our Facebook fan page, you can also go to mtrextras.tumblr.com for that. And if you're still in the wasteland known as MySpace, My Take Radio is there as well, myspace.com slash mytakeradio. Last but not least, check out our Facebook, our Facebook fan page. It's facebook.com slash my Take Radio, and if you haven't become a fan, what are you waiting for? That's it, folks. Uh, Going to catch you guys next week when I will be joined by Ninferno from Dual Shockers, and I will be joined by uh, adult film actress Diana Prince for the last episode of February. That's going to wrap it up, folks. Thanks for listening. I will see you guys next week. Peace. Taking us out this week is going to be the... Wow, I'm all fucked up. Uh, taking us out this week is going to be the music from the Vegas stage by, uh, a.k.a. Masked Man by Nutritious from ocremix.org. You can download that at ocremix.org. Catch you guys later. Peace.